Hello, everybody. This is Hondo Carpenter from the Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. Great to be with you all today, joined by my good friend, the editor and publisher of thespun.com, my fellow colleague, um, working with all that we do. Um, of course, I'm with Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation, and he's with the Spun, but we're all the same parent company. And we are all glad to be with you guys today. Matt, we have so many issues that I want to cover, and it's all Raiders today. Uh, we may, we, depending on time, we may tap on one issue that's not, that is, that affects the Raiders, but not just Raiders. I want to talk to you about Antonio Pierce. <clears throat> I, uh, none of us knows if he's the next John Madden, but I do believe he was the right choice and deserves that opportunity to prove who he is. But I'm concerned about one thing. And almost as soon as everyone was, not everyone, but a lot of people, we want AP to get the job. Then people were saying, you got to hire this, you got to hire that, you got to hire this, you got to hire that. You got to go get this guy, you got to go do whatever. I am, I like him for a lot of reasons. And you and I are very similar on some things. You and I are very different on some things. And I think the reason our friendship has lasted almost two decades is because we appreciate that the other may not be exactly like me, but they're genuine. They're real. I know who Matt Halatic is. And 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 I love that about you, by the way. And and my concern is I don't want to see AP get lost in all of the Akum de Ma. I think if he's going to be successful, he has to pull a Frank Sinatra and do it his way. What got him here is not the traditional way. So to get here now and act traditional, I think is a death sentence to his head coaching career in the National Football League. He needs to be who he is. I'm not saying there's any threat of him not, but I think there's a threat of people around him trying to make him into somebody he's not. He is who he is. I love him for exactly who he is. I think he's got a chance to be not a good coach. I think he's got a chance to be a great coach and super successful. But to thine own self, be true. I, I'm, I'm concerned about this. Uh, what do you think? I think, you know, looking around the, the league and around the history of the league, there's been coaches who have been their authentic selves and they've been, you know, who they are and they fail. But I don't know if there's been any coaches who have kind of put on airs or tried to change who they were or do things differently at the start and been successful. You've heard of people who have changed or tweaked things during their careers. Uh, an example would be, you know, out here with, in New York with the Giants, Tom Coughlin always was very mm -hmm. strict and regimented coming in. And after three years with the Giants, his players didn't like him. The media couldn't stand him. He almost got fired. He had to make some adjustments to his personality. Didn't completely change who he was, but he had to make some adjustments to his personality. Antonio Pierce knows that well because he played for Tom Coughlin at that time, so he understands mm -hmm. that. But if you start to put on an entirely fake or modified persona or approach to the job and you're not authentic and true to yourself, it's got to be figured out pretty quickly. I think especially in the case uh, of an Antonio Pierce who got promoted from the interim gig who 
his, the players he has now know him. They know who he is. They know what he stands for. They know what he's about. So anytime he tries to totally deviate from that or be different, it's going to set off alarm bells. So I do think that doesn't mean as you go along, you don't try to adapt or try to make some tweaks or changes, but you have to be true to who you are. You have to be, you know, authentically you and the way you run a team has to be uh, in that image. And, and I think that that's going to be key. Yeah. And I'm not worried about him becoming synthetic because he is authentic. Mm -hmm. I'm worried about people around him trying to make him or influence him to do things. Um, hey, you know, for example, I thought it was brilliant. I didn't think it was good. I thought it was, you have known me for a long time and you've heard me say numerous times, there are certain jobs you don't get to go give a first time coach. Okay. I liked Antonio Pierce when he was on Josh McDaniels' staff and would have never picked him to be the head coach. But because he was able to get some experience as an interim, then I thought, okay, this is a great hire. My point is, I I don't want people around him. I, I like his gutsy. I like his honesty. I like his approach. You know, I, I like him when he's being interviewed because he isn't Josh McDaniels. He isn't the typical coach. He, I, I like the way, um, I know him, so I, I kind of have a different view. I, I'm going to use a word that I don't like, but I can't think of a better one. His edgy, because there's nothing edgy as far as a jerk about him. But I like the fact, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'll tell you what I think. That's my concern. I, I like to see guys. I'll, I'll give you a great story. The former Dallas Cowboys coach, Norv Turner, he gets the job with Washington. And I believe he had been a head coach before that, and it had failed miserably. Um, maybe he hadn't, but but he goes to, to Washington. And he talked about, I'm going to get fired or I'm going to be keep my job based on what happens at the field and I'm going to be me. And it was Troy Aikman, I believe that gave him that advice, but he failed. He didn't stay a head coach, but I've always respected Norv because he never tried to be Jimmy. He never tried to be somebody else. And the thing that I really like about AP, and there are a lot of things, but I love that he's who he is. So he brings in Coughlin, he brings in Marvin Lewis he brings in these guys. He doesn't care if, to admit, I don't know what I don't know because he wants to keep the job. It's his dream job. So he brings in those guys saying, hey, screw all y'all. You don't like it? I don't care. I'm bringing in these. That's what I'm talking about. I don't want it. I don't want that edge lost. No, I, I agree. And I, I think agree. you always want that person to have that kind of, you know, he has that competitive edge. I think it comes from, stems from his days as a player, and he's brought that mm -hmm. over to coaching. Um, and I think that the fact he's able to reach out and have those type of successful head coaches as resources, resources. And he's not only willing, but eager to use them is a good early sign. Um, so I, I, I like the fact that he went out, you know, he talked to Tom Coughlin, had Coughlin come in and, and kind of give him some guidance. Same thing, you know, hiring Marvin Lewis, a guy who's coached, been a head coach for, I don't know, 15 years or so, however long he was with the Bengals. Um, I think that's all resources and 
it's things that you can draw back on because things are going to come up in the job as the head coach, the full-time head coach that you've never experienced before, even as the interim. So you're going to need people in your corner that are going to be able to help, able to help you deal with that. So I think that that was a good sign that he was willing to, uh, to bring those people in. All right. I want to stay on the Raiders, obviously, but I want to get into something. I think Raider nation has a lot to be excited about. Um, you were the last team to beat the Kansas city chiefs. Um, I think, San Francisco did a lot of what Patrick Graham's game plan was to beat the Chiefs. I mean, to to try to beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. You go back to joint practices. They dominated San Francisco in the joint practices. I'm not even talking about the, the preseason game is irrelevant. doesn't matter. But they beat them up good. To me, if you're the Raiders, you look that you ended five and four, but there is a lot of reasons, I believe, in Raider Nation to be extremely optimistic. What are your thoughts on that? I agree. And again, we've talked about it before. It's uh, You have to recognize, listen, it's not going to be easy sledding because you're in the division with the Chiefs, and now you're in the division with the Chargers and Jim Harbaugh, who has a tradition of you know winning, and you still have Sean Payton in Denver. Um think they'll have a different quarterback next year, but, you know, he, he he's a guy that's won at the NFL level for a long time. So it's not going to be easy, but I do think that there are some reasons for optimism. You saw the way at the end of the year, the roster is not devoid of talent. It's not like they're scrapping it totally and, and tearing it down to the studs to have a, a re, rebuilding project. So I think that there are some, some causes for optimism. Uh, you went from six wins in 2021, uh, 2022 to eight wins this year. So there was that improvement. Uh, I think that, you know, I, I think there are some reasons to look forward to the future and just to feel like maybe this time around it will be different compared to, you know, the last few hires that they've had. Mm -hmm. I agree with you, Matt. All right. So interesting for me is looking at the Raiders. Now they have full approval by Mark Davis to move up as far as they need to, in their opinion, to go get a generational quarterback. Some people take that green light as they're going, mm -hmm. which is dumb because they don't know what they're going to do. There's a lot of process they've got to go through. There's a lot of investigation that goes on. There is so much that goes into you know, if you're going to make that humongous of an investment, number one, is the guy worth it? Number two, do you understand, you know, you may have the green light of Mark Davis. And by the way, I think every owner should give his management team the green light if they're if they believe there is a generational quarterback to go get them because they're 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 just they're, they're too precious. But that same owner is now going to hold you accountable because you're mortgaging the future to buy a present if they're not a generational quarterback. And I think sometimes people are so excited to have a generational quarterback, and who sh and, and they should be. You should be excited to have a generational quarterback. 
but they're so excited to get it, <clears throat> they need to top tap the brakes for a minute because now all the pressure's on Telesco and Pierce. Okay. Are you willing to risk? If Telesco gets fired again, he's not going to get a third shot at as a general manager. <clears throat> and AP, chances are if he gets fired, is not going to get a second shot. I mean, if it's if there's no success here first, <clears throat> now they have to go in and think, okay, are we willing to gamble on this guy? There are so many moving pieces, and we're only in March. To me, that's what makes this fascinating. You're, I mean, March, February. We're not even at Valentine's Day. February. Yeah. Your thoughts on what I on, on that? Well, the other thing too that you have to always remember, and I think a lot of fans um, forget, because you know a lot of fans are talking about let's trade up, get a quarterback, or wherever we are, we don't like this. Let's trade back, trade back, get more picks. Get, you have to have a willing partner. You have to have a team that's willing to trade with you and agree on the compensation. Now the Raiders are what? Where are they picking again? The Raiders? I'm sorry for you. 13. Okay. I was going to say 12, but I thought that was wrong. So 13. Say they want to move up into the top three to get one of the big quarterbacks in, in this draft. Well, now you have to find a partner, whether it's the Bears at one or Washington or New England, the next two picks, that is willing to, to have you move up. That maybe they, if that means that they don't want a quarterback. And quarterbacks are being discussed for those three teams. Uh, you also have to make sure you're giving up a tremendous amount of, uh, of capital to move up from 13 to one, especially if one of those or 13 to two or three, especially if one of those teams has offers from, you know, another team to move up uh, a few spots. So it has to be a deal you're comfortable with doing. Also, and again, the NFL is a prove it league. It's a, it's a, not a league for patience, so the clock is already ticking. You know, Antonio Pierce has a lot of goodwill with the fans, but if they don't win enough games, that's going to you know dissipate quickly. But the I thing is, I want to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was to say, and you alluded to it. If you go up and get a quarterback, you're starting. That's your guy, Antonio Pierce, Tom Telesco, and. Caleb Williams or Drake May or Jane Daniels, whoever they prefer, mm -hmm. they're tied at the hip. So now you are, you're going to sink or swim with that guy. Yep. So I talked to an NFL executive today, and I, I thought you'd find this interesting. I asked him, what's the moving price today to one to three? This is what he told me. What I'm hearing right now is that one is available, but because they've not yet made a decision, you have to overpay for one. Okay? Two is not available. So Washington's going to take a quarterback. Three, it's more of a get back to us. They're still trying to figure out a plan. So. If you're going to move up before the draft, then the question becomes, okay, who do I like? Okay, so let's just say Jaden Daniels, okay? And I think early in the process, 
Well, I'm not going to say, I can't say too much. I, 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 that would be wrong of me. Okay. Let's just say Jaden Daniels. So then you've got to look and say, okay, do we move to three? Because then what happens if somebody decides, okay, we want Jaden and they overpay and move to one. Now we moved all the way up there and that's the only guy we believed in. Okay. That, but that's something that's got to be considered. Then do we just overpay and go to one so we know by God we're going to get whoever we want? Now, they may say, we like all three of them. So we'll move to three and take whoever falls to us. Fine. If you think there are three, if you think those three are generational quarterbacks, and I don't know anybody who does yet. But I know some who like each. But if you think they're all three, then you can move to three. And then, okay, if you only think there's two, then you better not pay to move up to three. You better get to one. I mean, yeah, there is a lot of moving parts here, Matt. And I find that fascinating. And sometimes folks don't think about that, do they? No, they don't. And I think that it it's very – to me, it's rare – I'm sure there's an instance of this in the in the past that I'd have to go back and look at, but I feel like this is one of the first times I can remember where the top three picks in the draft all have a potential need at quarterback, but also could move out of the pick. I, I, although it looks sounds like Washington is is really dead set on staying there too and taking who, who they want. But, you know, the Bears, I, I think if I were to reading the tea leaves and guessing, I think their preference would be to select the rookie and start the clock over and then try to trade Justin Fields to another team. But they don't have to do that. They could – if somebody brings them a godfather offer, like you said, and, and says we're giving you two or three first-rounders and other picks and players, whatever – and they could say, "Listen, we we can't turn this down, you know. And we'll we're going to take it, and we're going to see what we got with Justin Fields again. And, and and if and we'll adjust if he really can't, you know, do the job with, with these other assets. Um, and then, but but like you said, you can't just move up to three unless you're comfortable getting one of whoever is left of those three. Because a quarterback is going one, whether the Bears draft it or somebody trades up and, and, and takes that spot. And a quarterback's going two. So that means if you're third, you're getting the third choice. And you'd better be comfortable with what that third choice is. So yeah, I, I, I think that to me, unless you have all three equally, you're better off trading up to one. Before yeah, the draft, unless I, I, something happens on draft night, you know, crazy or whatever. Yeah, and then there's the other thing. Okay, if the do the Bears try to trade Fields because once they pick somebody at one, Fields' value plummets. Right. You know what they're going to get for him, and then there's the you know there's just there's so many things that go on. I I I laugh sometimes because I don't think people understand the minutia. Of the draft. They just think, oh, you go to three, get this guy, it's over. And listen, 
60% of quarterbacks picked in the first round fail. And 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 you got to accept that if you're the guy moving. Now, here's the other approach. We have written a lot and talked about the dangers of moving up. But I've had people say to me, wow, Hondo's against moving up. No, I'm not. I'm the first one to, and you've known me almost two decades. You've heard me say this every year. If you think a guy is a generational talent, you have to move up. You cannot approach the draft in fear, but you have to address it in, in smarts. Okay, you're not sold that one of them is, you know, I, I had a guy one time say to me, a GM, well, I think this guy could be it. I said, oh, you're going to go get him? Hell no. Well, what do you mean? Thinking he can and knowing he can are two different things that I'm not exactly. risking my job on, I think. And 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 I thought that was one of the best analysis I've ever heard. But that gets into the draft, moving up for a quarterback. You gotta be all sold. And if you're all sold, if you think that's my Peyton Manning, that is my Andrew Luck, that's my Dan Marino, that's my John Elway, that's my Troy Aikman, that's my Patrick Mahomes, whatever you if you think that, then you don't even look at the cost. Because that is so, that is the most important position. I, I don't care. Take whatever you want. I'm moving up. But you better be right. And you can't approach it with fear, but, boy, you better approach it with brains, right? Right. And I think of past conversations we had. We talked about when the Bears moved up to to take Mitch Trubisky. You said that if they believe in him, it's a, it's a worthwhile move, but it's, they're going to sink or swim with him. Um, look at – the Niners who have been able to overcome the fact they gave up so much to trade up with Trey Lance, who didn't, who ended up doing nothing for them. Um, but I also don't think you want, here's the thing. The quarterback is by far the most important position in football. You need a quarterback to, to, to maximize your team's ceiling and to contend for, for championships and be good on a yearly basis. But I don't think you want to draft a quarterback just to take one, just to force one. Because, and I look at a situation, I look at, you know, the, and I know I bring it back to the Giants a lot, but it's the team I probably know the best. The Giants have the sixth pick this year. And I think they scouted these quarterbacks a lot. And I think they would be okay with potentially taking one. But if they're not going to move up to get one of the top three, assuming they really like one of the top three, unless they really love J.J. McCarthy or whoever, and they think they could, they feel confident taking him at six, they're almost better off not taking quarterback at six unless they really feel confident in the, in the guy because that's how, even if you're looking to replace Daniel Jones, that's how you end up with another Daniel Jones because what happened was in 2019, they said, we need a quarterback. We, Eli Manning's coming into the line. We need a quarterback. We need a quarterback. And they talked themselves into – a guy who wasn't worth the sixth overall pick. Um, and there's been other instances of that, you know, in the past where teams have, uh, I'm just thinking of got EJ Manuel with the Bills and Christian Ponder with the Vikings. We're going back now about 11, 12, 13 years. But right. where you said we're, we're taking a quarterback in the first round and you get a guy who isn't worthy of that selection, who's not good enough. 
Um, and I think that, that that becomes a problem too. So I agree with you. I think if you – quarterback is so important that if you have a guy you're dead set on your soul and you believe in, go get them. Go take them early. Go up and get them. Do what you have to do. Um, but don't just take somebody because you – in the first round because you think they can be good enough. Take somebody because you feel that they are good enough and they can be great. Yeah, I won't mention the player, but I remember it was not a quarterback, but I remember there was a guy that everybody had penciled into the Lions, and Matt Millen told me flat out when he was general manager, I'm not taking him. I don't believe in him. I just, and boy, did Matt turn out to be right on that one. But uh, I agree with you. You can't approach the, the draft afraid, but you have to approach the draft with purpose. And again, that's a generational guy, go get him. And the cost be damned. But if if you're not 100% sold cuz you're 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 putting your life on the line. You're 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 coaching or general managing life. Boy, you you don't do it. All right, let's talk about some guys. <clears throat> We've talked a lot about Drake May. We've talked a lot about Caleb Williams. We've talked a lot about um Jane Daniels. We've talked about J.J. McCarthy, which the people who I trust, you may remember this. In fact, let's go back. Remember our show we did right after Trubisky was picked, and you just referenced that show. And I told, and I said then, if they think this is their guy, then you know what? They didn't overpay, but they're going to be judged. But you may remember I said on that show, the people I trust who've drafted quarterbacks successfully are telling me, Boy, they way overpaid for Trubisky. I'm not sold on the guy. That same guy who told me that about Trubisky and others um, has, you know, just shared with me some opinions about stuff going on, and I'm getting a lot of good analysis. He thinks McCarthy is the second-best quarterback in this draft. So we've already talked about him. I want to move on from him. Bo Nix. I like Bo. Very accurate in college. This is a kid that's done a lot of really good stuff. He was not good last week. He struggled last week. And, boy, I reported that, and people are like, are you nuts? Do you not know how? I, that's why it was a story, because he has it. So I think his stock fell a little bit. I still think he's going to probably go in the first round. I'm not saying that. But his stock dropped a little bit because of around better competition some new teammates, he struggled a little bit. Okay, Penix, nobody dislikes Penix. It's just the the injury history with him. That's the only thing with him. There's no – if he didn't have the injury history, he'd be we'd be talking about probably the top four. But it's not just been one injury, it's been multiple. So that's where the worry comes in. <clears throat> but I'm going to give you a name. So there's six guys that potentially could go in the first round. Okay. In fact, they very well may. <laughs> but I'm going to talk to you about a guy who stunned people at the Senior Bowl. Spencer Rattler. He looked sharp. His cognitive ability, his brain, his talents, his technique. Uh, I heard from multiple. I didn't hear from one or two. 
multiple. I heard from QB people. I've heard from people who I don't think are QB people who were like, whoa, do you see a scenario, Matt, where Spencer Rattler gets up in the first round? That would be that would be at this point, I would be surprised, but <clears throat> it is interesting because you're talking about a guy who two or three years ago people were mentioning as a potential number one overall pick in the entire mm -hmm. draft. Um, he had that kind of reputation coming out of high school and through the beginning of his time at Oklahoma. Um, and then of course we saw what happened. His his you know his he struggles in the 2021 season in Oklahoma. Caleb Williams replaces him. And, you know, the rest was kind of history for, for both those guys. Um, Spencer Rattler has a lot of big-time tools. And I think that, the, you know, a team is going to be enticed by them. Um, they're going to think he's a moldable guy, a guy you can work with and kind of transform and, and, and make a, a starting caliber quarterback. Is it going to be a first-round team? I don't know. I mean, maybe late in the first round you could see. Um, but it, he is an interesting prospect to me. Uh, he's the type of guy that I think you could see a GM and see a coach, uh, especially a coach who has worked with quarterbacks before, kind of talk themselves into or, or get excited about. Yeah, I'm going to tell you what. My one particular buddy whose team is very good at drafting quarterbacks, they don't really need one. But he said he did enough for us. We're we're kicking the tires on Spencer Rattler now. We're going to talk to him at the combine. We're going to he, – he kind of moved on our board. They're going to be picking down in the lower part of the first half, and he said that he, he could be there. Uh, I just thought that was fascinating. I thought that Spencer Rattler, Bo Nix talk is, was, was very, very fast. I, I, again, I think this is going to shape up to be one of the – I don't know if it's going to pan out. We're only going to know that in 15 years to be one of the best quarterback, but I think it could be one of the most quarterback selected first rounds ever. You agree, disagree? We've had, I'm trying to think, what's the record? Five or six? I know in 2018 we had five. Um, mm -hmm. That was the Mayfield, Darnold, and uh, Josh Allen class. Lamar. Um, so, I mean, I could see, I, I could see a scenario where we equal that, where five guys are, are off the board in the first round. Um, because I think that, you know, the top, the three are going definitely. Um, and I think that somebody is going to believe enough in JJ McCarthy to take him somewhere in the first round. Could be higher than we expect right now, but he's, I would expect he goes in the first round. So that's four. Now the fifth is the fifth going to be a Knicks? Is it a Penix, um, or do people think they're more day two guys? Does someone talk themselves later in the first round into a Rattler? Like you said, they may not need a quarterback. Sometimes the best time to take one is when you don't necessarily need one. Um, you know, you look at that's what Green Bay has done multiple times mm -hmm. in the past, and it's worked out great for them. So. That's what Kansas City did with Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, they felt like they needed somebody with more ceiling than Alex Smith, which is why they moved up to get Patrick Mahomes, but they didn't need him to start day one. Alex Smith started that entire 2017 season, and they were a very good team. So it was sometimes that that's when you it's a good time to take a quarterback. 
Um, I would say I have a feeling this is just a a my gut right now. I think the over under on first round quarterbacks is four and a half. I lean the over. I think I think five go at 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 this time right now, mid February. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, I want to talk about Aiden O'Connell. This is a guy in today's mod. Now, now I'm not going to change who I am. You've known me long enough that you'll call me out for it because we're real friends. I like a quarterback that has some mobility. Mm -hmm. I've always said that. I'll always maintain it. That's how I believe. I don't need him to be um, Randall Cunningham. I don't want him to be Randall Cunningham. I think that hurt him. I think Randall was a better quarterback if somebody would have taught him how to be like Patrick Mahomes and run when he wants to. I mean, when he needs to, not when he wants to. Um, But I'm a buyer on that. But I think a lot of people are discontinuing Aiden O'Connell, who did only thing he did was what he was asked to do. The last four games, I mean, the kids got eight touchdowns. Last five games, I think it was, he had nine touchdowns, one interception. I think there's mobility there because I've seen him run some at Purdue and other places. That's going to have to be coached. But I think he has enough mobility to be that. Now, I still would draft a quarterback because I love the competition. So I'm not saying don't draft a quarterback. I'm saying I would. But I think a lot of Raider fans are throwing him on the trash heap and because, well, I didn't see this, I didn't see that. Well, some of that was coaching that didn't want to see that. Some of it, I just think there's something there. And I think talking to people around the NFL, he impressed a lot of people. Do you think Raider fan is taking a risk if they just throw away Aiden O'Connell? Career backup. Boy, I'll tell you what, after what I saw this year, I can't make the decision that he's Ken Stabler, but I can't make the decision he's a career backup either. And and that's kind of sentiment around the league. Your thoughts? No, I think there's a possibility he could be more than that. He could be a, a functional starter and a guy – that can start for you in the NFL. Um, I think, to, again, it so goes back to how much conviction you have on quarterbacks in the draft and how realistic it is for you to take one of them. Because if you don't have conviction on, on, a, on a guy in this, this year's draft or you don't have a way to move up to get them, then I think you're instead of forcing it, you could say, all right, we have this kid. We saw a little bit of what he could do last year. Let's keep them. Let's maybe pair them with a vet that has some experience and let's go that route this year. And if he doesn't really develop or he kind of shows the same skill set where he's like, okay, he's more of a backup and spot starter. Well, then we're really in the market for a quarterback in 2025, whether it's in the draft or free agency trade, whatever. Um, So I think that there's a, there's a path in the future where he's, he begins the year at 2024. He begins the season as the Raiders starter again. I can see that. Um, listen, I, do, I don't think that he's a guy who's going to start on an AFC champion or a Super Bowl team, but I think that he can be a guy who can be a, a quality enough starter, has the potential to be a quality enough starter in the NFL, depending on how he continues to develop. Um, through, yeah. From what I saw as a rookie. 
my belief that he hasn't shown me yet he's Ken Stabler is why you got to go pick another quarterback. Right. If, but as I'm long still going to – I'm sorry, As long sir. as you can get. As long as you can get. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But my point is, is that until you know you got your guy, you keep selecting a guy and letting everybody compete year after year after year after year. I just think that's the smart way of doing it. All right. Sticking with Raider talk. The other thing that people don't understand is you look at your salary cap, you look at the free agents that are available. Okay, if we can address significant needs in free agency, then I'm willing to give up draft capital to move up or whatever in a draft or potentially accumulate more and come down. I think that's something else that people don't understand is it's also going to be impacted by the quality of free agency. That's also true. I mean, you look at or, or a possible potential trade. You know, you, trades could shake up how the league goes. We don't know exactly what teams are going to do. Um, we talked about one guy that could possibly get traded, and that's Justin Fields. Um, and uh, there might be some other guys out there as well, uh, you know, um, Look at a Russell Wilson. Where's he going to end up? How does that kind of affect the league? Where's Kirk Cousins going to end up? How does that kind of impact the league? So, I Baker think Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, of course. Yeah, you know, does he? I, I think the Bucks want to keep him, especially at the year he had. But what are they willing to pay him? And then is there another team that's willing to pay him more? Um, it'll be it, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of moving parts, um, and I always say this in, in general in terms of dra the draft is that unless you are you have a top one or two pick and you know you're going quarterback, like absolutely know it, a lot of times you have, with a lot of teams, you have to see how free agency shakes out before you can really hone in on what they want in the draft. Because if they, if you have a team that needs, you know, we need help at receiver, we need help at linebacker, we need help at safety and, and maybe could use an offensive lineman. All right, well, that's four positions. Um, what are you going to do in the draft? Well, if they trade for a receiver in March, then they're probably not taking one in the first round. Or if they sign the biggest, you know, offensive tackle that's on the market, well, you can cross that position off. So I think you really will have to see. Um, I, I, I'm going to say in about a month from now, when or give or take a few days, when the league year's opened up and we've gotten some trades and we've gotten some um, signings you'll really start to know what the QB market looks like and, and what more teams are going to do. Totally agree with you. Matt, it's been great having Raider uh, quarterback coverage. Man, the whole thing today has been Raider quarterbacks. I know, I know. It's just uh, we need to bring up some – the only thing we didn't get was some, uh, you know, Jim Plunkett, Daryl LaMonica talk, I think. <laughs> All right, real quick, uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs did themselves a massive disservice talking about a three-peat. I'm going to go, I'm going to go right out right now and say it. I do not believe they're going to repeat. And I'm going to just say it this way. I watched the Pistons firsthand. They won in 89 and 90 and then started talking three-peat and the pressure was immense. And I had more than one Piston on that team tell me, one of the dumbest things we did is we talked three-peat. Didn't matter if others did. And we put so much pressure on ourselves 
that it got to where we almost played not to lose rather than our playing to win that won us two championships. I think it was dumb. I don't, I'm not calling them dumb, but I think it was dumb to get up there and do that. Um, I don't think they're going to. Real quick, your gut. Now, I'm not saying I don't think they get to a Super Bowl. I'm not sure yet, but I don't think they three-peat. Your thoughts? It's funny you mentioned the Pistons because the Lakers had talked three-peat. Pat Riley had said that, and then they, uh, they get to the finals for a third time, and the Pistons beat them. Um, I'm going to take the opposite tra trajectory. I kind of like it. I do. Now, listen, is it putting the pressure on them? Sure it is. But you're talking about a team that, at this point, why shouldn't they feel like they're going to repeat? Think about this. Think about this. In Since Patrick Mahomes has been the starter, now this is six seasons, they've been to the Super Bowl um, four times and won it three. The only quarterbacks that have beaten Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs are Tom Brady, who's the greatest of all time, twice, and Joe Burrow, who's a top three quarterback, three or four quarterback in the NFL right now when he's healthy. They haven't experienced playoff a playoff humbling, so to speak. You know, they are – they have the best head coach in the league right now. They have the best quarterback. They have the best big game defensive coordinator. And they've won with their roster in flux the last couple of years. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And early in the year, their receivers looked like they couldn't even walk and chew gum at the same time. And they still figured it out. So, to me, I think if you're the Chiefs, and listen, they may get humbled. Somebody may come up in the AFC next year and may smack them. And, or there could be, you know, you, you don't want to say this because you don't want anyone to get hurt. But there could be an injury. It's football that could change the, the trajectory. Look at, you know, what happened with Tom Brady when he, you know, tore his ACL that year uh, with the Patriots. Um, you don't know what's going to happen. But from now, I think, in the moment, them saying 3 P, they should feel like we have the ability to do what hasn't been done ever in the NFL. And it's really hard to repeat. It's been impossible to repeat in the Super Bowl era. But I, I think they should feel like they can do it. I'm just going to say one thing. I never said that they shouldn't feel like they could do it. But just throwing it out there, I think. Them I think throwing it out there because every fan now, that's all that's going to be discussed. Any, listen, I was there on Christmas Day and heard Chiefs Kingdom Booing them. They look I mean, bad. They, I, I know. <laughs> that's not taking away how good the Raiders, how well the Raiders played. The Chiefs look right. terrible. The Chiefs look terrible because the yeah. Raiders beat them. I mean, yeah. they made Taylor Swift watch them just. And, and, and so the thing I'm getting to is now you've just fed the machine. You know, Saban talks about rat poison. Yeah. And about what the media and the fans say. And he warns his players because the only thing worse than rat poison is when you poison yourself. And now you've set the expectations. Now Andy Reid goes into a press conference and they've lost two of three games. And media member says, you know, Andy, your team has talked about you're going to three-peat. You've lost two out of three. Da -da 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 -da. It's not Andy saying, no, you guys said that. We're just trying to go back and build and da -da -da -da. no, no, no. They've given no wiggle room. I, I just, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to say it right here. 
I don't think they – and if they do, I will take my hat off because I think Andy Reid's the best coach in the NFL. I think Patrick Mahomes is the best um, – uh, absolute best quarterback. I think Spags, if he's not one, he's two for defensive coordinators. That's not disrespect of the Chiefs. And I wasn't shocked that, that Kelsey was the one that did it to him either. Ooh, <laughs> man, if I was Andy Reid – I'd be more mad at Kelsey doing that than the stupidity of him bumping into me, and that was ridiculous. What did you think? To me, that was just him acting the fool. You know, throwing his helmet on Christmas, that. Travis Kelsey getting a little too full of himself. Listen, I think that I'm one of the people who believes that, in general, in a vacuum, a lot of times sideline blow-ups or intensity gets gets blown out of proportion i think that fans or even the media sometimes we don't realize how intense it can be down there and what gets said and what gets done during the course of a game look at even mahomes and rasheed rice going back and forth with each other at the end of regulation in the super bowl the other night however what travis kelsey did in my opinion crossed the line it wasn't that yep. he went up to andy Reid and said and said hey give me the effing ball or keep me in the effing game or something like that it wasn't just that he did that and it wasn't like he tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, he ran, ran up, got up on him and bumped him. Like he was out of control in that moment. And I know that they – I know that he made up for it on the field. He played well, had a very good game. I know that him and Andy Reid laughed about it afterwards. Um, it's easy to laugh, obviously, when your team wins. But I think in that moment, um, he was definitely out of line. That, that, I, I crossed the – that was beyond the pale, in my opinion. I agree. All right, lots of great Raider – Quarterback talk today with the one and only, the great Matt Halatic from the Spun.com. Remember, I'm Hondo Carpenter from your Las Vegas Raiders Insider Podcast. Listen, appreciate all of you. Follow me on Instagram at Hondo SR, also on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Hondo Carpenter. Thanks, Matt, for joining us today, bud. Always a pleasure. You're the best. This has been a Las Vegas Raiders Insider production on the Fans First Sports Network. Whoa. Whoa.